0: You're listening to The Packernet Podcast Network. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, Everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Becknet Podcast. I'm your guest host, JJ Leighy, filling in for Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online at packernet.com and follow me at JJ Leahy on Twitter. Uh, I was not planning on doing this today. Didn't Didn't know I was going to be doing it. Wasn't prepared. Got the call pretty late from Ryan asking me if I could fill in. Um, I don't live in Wisconsin, but uh, my heart is breaking for the people in Waukesha and the families that are um, affected tonight. Horrifically tragic incident going on. Ryan asked me to fill in because he just can't focus on football right now. Uh, he said there he didn't have any loved ones that were down there in Waukesha or anything. But, uh, yeah, just kind of hard to focus on something as frivolous and meaningless as football um, when you have a tragedy like that, you know, so close to home. And I probably didn't need to say all that, but uh, I guess I kind of wanted to lead into... I'd like to do a uh, moment of silence here for the community of Waukesha and the families that are affected by it tonight. All right, so let's go ahead and turn our attention to the football game. Wasn't a pretty game, obviously. Uh, There were some positives that I do want to take away from this. I want to touch on the negatives first and get those out of the way so we can end on a happy note. I don't really want to talk about the Elton thing. Um, We all know the situation. We know the ramifications I've been saying, you know, for a year now, basically uh, that I think Bakhtiari's ACL tear was the reason that we did not win a Super Bowl. I firmly believe that. Um, I don't know if Bakhtiari is going to be back. Um, anytime soon would be amazing to have him come in and, and take over the left tackle job right away. That'd be great, but he's not even practicing right now. Same with Josh Myers. He's still on injured reserve. He is not even at practice. You know, at least Bakhtiari is eligible to practice. Um, By the way, I, I have no idea. Like the Packers seem to have like decided that Myers season was over. And then just not told anybody. <laughs> and then we all kind of forgot about him. I don't know if he's coming back. Um, I'm not saying that because I have any reason to think he's not. I'm just saying we kind of all thought this was going to be like a couple weeks thing. And, you know, he's been gone for forever now. But for right now, the offensive line is Yash Nyman at left tackle, John Runyon at left guard. Lucas Patrick at center, Royce Newman, at right guard and Billy Turner at right tackle. And for any of you CCR fans out there, I've, you know, I've been thinking about this offensive line and just, I mean, that that's, that's kind of a poverty offensive line. I don't know the last time that the Green Bay Packers had an offensive line that looked like that. Um, I'm affectionately going to refer to them as Billy and the poor boys from here on out. I'm just, I'm, I have decided to root hard for their success. If they can find a way to pull this out, do their job, keep Rogers clean, win a super bowl. I'm going to be so dang proud of them. Uh, but I mean, that is a rough offensive line. Honestly, I mean, I I'm, I'm not sure who on that offensive line is better than any, any random guy you could bring on off the street. Sorry to the Billy Turner fans out there, but I'm, I'm, going to just be rooting so hard for their success and for them to pull through this. Uh, I think uh, Adam Stenovich and Luke Buckus have their work cut out for them, but uh, it's rough. It's a rough situation. I did. I did notice though, you know, after Elton went out, I, I don't know. And, and we've kind of seen times before where a, a key player, you know, take Aaron Jones last week a key player will go out and it just seems to light a fire under the butt of the rest of the offense. And they just turn it on. I mean, they were pretty fantastic after Elton left. And I don't think that that has anything to do with like Elton, you know, holding them back in any way. I, I, I just think that they were kind of motivated about like, let's, let's win this for Elton. I, you know, I, I could be way off that, that could be complete fiction that was just my takeaway from it my impression <sighs> i think uh i, I think it was uh, really encouraging that the offense really did get going 31 points today that is the second most points they put up all year uh second only to 35 points over the lions this is the third time this year that they have gotten 230 points the other being the uh, 49ers game it is only the fourth time all season that they have put up more than 24 points in regulation obviously the reason I'm wording it that way is because they put up 25 points over the Bengals in overtime <clears throat> you know this offense has just kind of looked like garbage for weeks at this point and the you know the points have been going down but they really turned it on. I mean, I, I felt like if you take out, if you if you ignore what the offense looked like early on, this was enough. This was fine. It was good. I was satisfied with it. This will win you some playoff games. That offensive performance. Obviously, it sucks that the defense totally caved in on itself today. Um, interestingly, it was the secondary that was the problem. Uh, Kirk Cousins was pressured on 40.5% of his drop box dropbacks per next gen stats. The secondary was the issue. Um, now obviously the other factor there in the passing or in the, in the uh, defensive game was stopping the run. I, I felt like, the effort there against Dalvin Cook was kinda lackluster. Um that was kind of problematic. And and you know, Dalvin I I did say I forget where I said it, if I said it on No Huddle or if I said it um in the uh Packers podcasting roundtable that we did. Uh what day was it? Saturday. Um one of the one of those places I said that, you know, I, I think that Dalvin Cook kind of uh, seemed set up to bring some momentum into this matchup. Like, despite the fact that he hasn't been playing great for most of the year, there was reason to think that he would bring momentum because of his own belief in himself versus the Packers. And the Packers, uh, remembering what he did the last time they played, I thought that I thought that he had a good chance to have a pretty good day. It wasn't a stellar day by the way. It was uh, pretty comparable to AJ Dillon's stats overall, but uh, you know, he, he was he was getting those first downs when it really mattered and and obviously the two-point conversion we saw coming from a mile away. I don't understand why teams don't just always go for the two-point conversion <laughs> against the Packers because when was the last time we ever stopped one? I thought Kevin King had a bit of a rough day. I saw just Poor tackling in general from uh, linebackers and the defensive line. Uh, Devondre Campbell, the few times that I really noticed him, he was was still just kind of an immovable brick wall. Uh, It seemed like Dalvin Cook was really intentional about running away from Campbell, but a, a lot of the time when Campbell would meet him, it just seemed like that was where the run stopped was the moment that he touched Campbell. He wasn't going to get another inch after that. Obviously a big takeaway for a lot of people is the issues with Mason Crosby. And I see a lot of people blaming Mason. And I understand, I un- I do understand blaming Mason and certainly he shares some degree of the blame. Some of his kicks, they're, There aren't really issues with the hold or the snap or the protection. And he still misses it. But you do have to understand the kicking game in order to analyze it. And a big, a huge part of the kicking game is all mental. And you know those games where, like, from, you know, the first quarter or so. Rodgers is spooked for a day. You know what I'm talking about? Like like the Bucks game last year where he threw two pick sixes. It's a real thing with kickers. If you don't trust your field goal unit or if you're a quarterback and you don't trust your offensive line, it throws your whole game off. I'm not excusing Mason Crosby, but I'm also saying he is not this bad. He is... Quite clearly up in his own head. He's rattled. The protection from the field goal unit has been horrific for most of the year. They've had uh, snapping and holding issues week in and out. In a normal season where you didn't have those issues from the rest of the field goal unit, I don't think that Mason Crosby in 2021 at age 37 would be missing all these kicks. I don't think he would. A lot of it is mental and has to do with he's rattled, he's shaken. He has lost a lot of confidence in himself and in his teammates. And that is, that's a real thing. It's a problem. Um, That does beg the question, what if you replaced him with a different kicker? If you put JJ Molson out there, you might get better kicking production because Molson, I don't think has those self-doubt issues and the rattled confidence issues that we're seeing from Mason right now. On the other hand, (laughs) Mason is rattled for a reason. And that is that the field goal protection and the hold and the snap have been letting him down all season. So I think that, unless those things are corrected and don't continue going forward, you're going to still see that those issues then start to crop up in J.J. Molson's game as well. Just some thoughts that I have. Trying to shed a little bit of light on the uh, kicking situation because I I saw a lot of comments on Twitter today that I understood and didn't really feel like getting into an argument over but i felt we're a little mis- misinformed or i should say underinformed so, you know not wrong it's not wrong to say well that's a chip shot field goal and mason has no business missing that that's absolutely correct you're you're quite spot on in saying that but you have to understand the kicking game and the kicking game is a lot bigger than just accuracy There's a lot of mechanics that go into it that Mason is right now overthinking. He's overthinking where he's going to step on the field. He's overthinking the timing of how long it's going to be before the ball is in place and his foot can meet it because it's been off. He's overthinking, I'm sure, you know, which way the ball is going to be turned. All right. Can I just trust my my habits that are ingrained into my into my leg for how it should be uh, hitting the ball and the ball should be coming off of it or not? And a lot of these past weeks, his uh, his habits and mechanics have failed him because the pieces around him have been flawed. So today I didn't really think that the pieces around him were the issue, but he was so rattled and up in his head that it was still affecting his game. Uh, even though everybody else around him was, for once, doing an okay job. So those are my thoughts on the kicking game. All right, I am going to take a quick commercial break here. I'll be right back. Hey, U.S. Cellular customers, I've got good news, so don't hit skip forward just yet. I'm talking about their special customer event, Us Days. What's Us Days? It means exclusive offers just for their customers, just to say thanks, like up to $1,200 to upgrade to any new phone. No, I didn't just misread that. That's up to $1,200 off. They must really like you. Us Days at U.S. Cellular, exclusive offers just for you, just to say thanks. Right now, U.S. Cellular customers get up to $1,200 to upgrade to any new phone. Terms apply. I do want to touch on an issue with the Packers' defense that we saw today that, depending on how you look at it, could give you some hope, uh, or it could just frustrate you more. All of the missed opportunities for interceptions. So we had, I believe, zero turnovers the entire game. Uh, The Packers should have had... One, two, three, four, five, six. There There were six opportunities to get interceptions where I would put the blame squarely on the Packers for not... Uh, capitalizing on that. So I, I would I'll start with the the two iffiest ones. Eric Stokes way up the right sideline when he was out in front of I believe Thielen. and uh the <clears throat> the announcers commented that it looked like uh Stokes was the intended target and it sure did. Um that one I I I'm I'm going to give him the most I guess uh, leeway or the most of a pass for not uh, coming up with the ball there just because he would have had to really um, go, you know, go up and get that. And I I think he just wasn't really anticipating it. The other one would be uh, when Teepa, I think really had an opportunity and just didn't turn his head. Uh, I want to say that I'm trying to remember when that was, I think it was kind of right before halftime. I know, Immediately after that was a a touchdown. Maybe even on that same play. Those are kind of the two that I think are the most iffy. But outside of that, Savage really should have had three interceptions today. One was taken away by penalty. Uh, Kind of a dumb penalty on, I believe, Kingsley Kiki for roughing the passer. Two... Uh, he dropped the ball. Didn't survive contact with the ground. Uh, they ruled it an interception on the field, and then had to review it. The third one, uh, was one that I mean, Thielen really broke it up. <clears throat> Savage should have had three turnovers by himself. Rasul Douglas, I think, had the final opportunity on what I believe was the final drive by the Vikings. He really should have taken the ball away. And I think what what we've seen in past weeks is that they have been taking the ball away in those situations. And 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 the uh, Darnell Savage interception that was taken away by Kingsley Kiki's penalty really was game-changing. That, to me, felt like the moment when that interception got called back, that was when I thought, ah, I, I don't know if we're winning today because – That was a a really needed turnover at a point where the game was very much still, it was in reach for the Packers. And the fact that they couldn't come up with that turnover right there and how badly it was needed swayed the whole direction of the game. I was frustrated with, it seemed like, There were a lot of plays where guys just didn't know where they were supposed to be, what they were supposed to be doing, who they were supposed to be covering. And I suppose you do have to give the Vikings credit for the way that they played and managing to confuse uh, the Packers secondary in that manner. Credit to them, for sure. But I was frustrated that in past weeks, that hasn't really been an issue. I think the... Kansas City game was maybe an example of that, where like Travis Kelsey was wide open kind of all day, and Mahomes just for whatever reason wasn't throwing to him. And today Cousins was just playing a lot better than that, and he was taking those opportunities when they were given. the uh, The first touchdown of the day to. Uh, No, it wasn't a touchdown. It was the, the ball that was downed at the one yard line by Justin Jefferson after he got tackled by Amos. That was a situation where Stokes didn't have any clue what he was supposed to be doing or or which guy he was supposed to be covering. And he kind of hesitated and then <laughs> chose nobody. And, you know, that left Jefferson on an island where the nearest guy was Adrian Amos, who was not really even. Uh, very much in coverage on him. And it kind of felt like that continued all day. That to me is something you can correct in practice. You can work on that. I think Joe Barry has earned some trust in, in so much to say that I think they will get that corrected. You can work, work with guys on assignments on understanding your opponent, uh, who you're going to be going up against. We are going to face the Vikings later this year. I expect the passing defense to be much improved when that happens. Obviously, the injuries to a lot of a lot of key positions across the board are something we maybe can't recover from. Uh, I, I get the sense that Rashawn Gary is going to play next week, given that he was a game-time decision today. And I don't think that it was lip service from Lafleur and Rashawn saying that they did really want to play him today <clears throat> and that they weren't sure until until game time whether he was going to play. I believe it. I, I, I think that was real. I think he'll probably be back next week. Um, that's going to be huge. You did, I think, feel his absence a good bit today. Um, but again, the pass rush really wasn't the issue. Kudos to Preston Smith for stepping up. Um, he had a, a fantastic day. We'll have to see what his grades are. But uh, there's there's no doubt that, that he and the rest of the D-line played well enough um, against Kirk Cousins that they were not the issue. Against the run, that was a, a bigger problem. Uh was really underwhelmed with what I saw from TJ Slayton today. I saw some people on Twitter really giving Slayton a lot of praise. They were seeing something that I hadn't seen. <clears throat> so I'm going to have to pay attention to that when I rewatch the game. I mentioned tackling, and, and that was a, a big issue to me, was a lot of shoulder tackles. Just use your arms. God gave you arms. Use them, please. I, I'm so sick of seeing shoulder tackles. They, it never works. I don't recall a time... Ever seeing a shoulder tackle work. And you know who never shoulder tackles? Devondre Campbell. Pay attention to how he tackles. <laughs> Packers players, pay attention to how your best linebacker tackles because he's a freak at it. So I said at the beginning I wanted to do negatives first and then the positives, but I, I kept moving over to covering the positives every time. You know, I really talked a lot about the uh, improvement that we saw from the offense, which was really uh, exciting. I, I want to look at. Uh, Aaron Rodgers' stats because I took a look at them early in the fourth quarter and I was kind of pleased with what I was seeing. So Aaron Rodgers was twenty-three of thirty-three for three hundred and eighty-five yards, he had eleven-point-seven average, uh, four touchdowns on the day. That's really good. Uh, he was sacked twice for thirteen yards, and I know for a fact both of those came before Elden went out. The second one I think happened when on the play that Elton was injured. Yeah, it did. Um, I think I think they will credit Elton with that sack, but also he fell down with a presumed presumably torn ACL in the middle of that play and uh, got bowled over. His quarterback rating was eighty eight point two. He had a passer rating of one forty eight point four. Compare that to Kirk Cousins. So uh, Cousins was 24 of 35. Uh, he had two more attempts and one more completion than Rogers. He had 341 passing yards. That's 44 fewer than Rogers. His average was 9.7. That's a full two yards shorter than Rogers. He had three intercept uh, three touchdowns. neither guy had an interception, uh, but Cousins had many turnover worthy plays that, uh, I mean, he, he, this was like Pat Mahomes level of luckiness in terms of, uh, not having his, um, uh, turnover where plays capitalized on by the defense. He was also sacked twice, uh, but for 23 yards, it's full 10 yards further than Rogers was his quarterback rating was 77.8. That is 11 points lower than Rogers. His passer rating was 20 points lower at 128.4. Kirk Cousins has been the best passer in the league this year. Whether you like it or not, it's true. Uh, Rodgers has not been um, playing up to his normal standard for most of the year. Uh, Actually, I would probably say nearly the whole year. I think I want to say the Bengals game was one where he graded out really highly. Um, But today was a really good performance from Rodgers. I saw a lot of Rodgers bashing early on in the day, and I understand that because the offense did get off to a slow start, and obviously that did end up hurting them, but um, I think it more so hurt them in just in terms of how many times they gave the ball back to the Vikings early on. But the offense did its job. They, they uh, A.J. Dillon was used uh, pretty heavily in the passing game, I would have liked to see them run it a lot more. They did start running more late in the game. Uh, But by the, what, the third quarter, I think, um, Dalvin Cook had been, he had had 18 carries to Dylan's eight. And Dylan had a higher um, yards per carry average. So let's see here. Uh, Rushing on, on the day. Dylan had 11 carries. So he only had three more after I looked at his uh, his stats. Patrick Taylor had four carries. So from all the running backs, um, 15 carries. So by the third quarter, Dalvin Cook already had more carries than that. Dylan had 53 yards on the ground. Patrick Taylor had 11 yards on the ground. Um. Dylan, zero touchdowns, 4.8 yards per carry. Compare that to Dalvin Cook. He had 3.9 yards per carry, and he did have one touchdown. Obviously, that was from one yard out. Uh, Not, not the most stellar day from Dalvin Cook. He had 22 carries for 86 yards. Dylan had 11 carries, exactly half as many, and he had 53 yards. So if he had kept up with the exact same production and it had 22 carries. He would have had 106 yards to Dalvin cook's 86. No question who the better running back was on a per snap basis, but Dalvin cook definitely affected the game a lot. I was again, just a little frustrated with some of the play calling early. And I thought it got a lot better as the game went on. I thought that what was it? Third and one. I think it was third and one. Um, Kind of late in the game where uh, Lafleur calls this trick play where uh, Cobb passes it to Dylan. I thought that was cool. I like seeing that creativity makes me excited for the playoffs. I'd like to see creativity in the playoffs. I felt like that was a big issue in the playoffs uh, last year. Not a lot of creativity. And and there was more creativity in the Rams playoff game than there was against the Bucs. But I like that he has those plays up his sleeve. I'd like to see more of those in the future. On the day, I didn't have a huge problem with play calling by the end of it. But this brings me to the future. What does the rest of the season look like? We are 11 weeks in. Um, After the Monday night game, we're going to be working on week 12. The Packers have week 13 bye. The Packers play the Rams this week, and then they have a bye week. The Vikings already had their bye. They are 5-5. Five and five. They are three games behind the Packers with a tiebreaker over them. If the Packers do lose to the Rams, which I don't think is a given. Um, as of right now, I'm, I'm still picking the Packers to win against the Rams. We'll see. Just hypothetically say that they drop one to... Uh, The Rams say uh, Aaron Rodgers and Jordan Love both get abducted by aliens. (laughs) And uh, we have Kurt Benker out there and lose by a field goal in overtime. Okay. Assuming that happens, then the Packers have a bye week. There is a world here where the Vikings could have everything go their way. And after the Packers return from their bye, the Packers could be eight and four and the Vikings would be seven and five with at least one more game coming up in which they control their destiny because they're going to play the Packers again. <clears throat> the Vikings could very realistically still win the division. I don't think that should be overlooked. I, ha- I got a question um, from a Lions fan today uh, after the loss he texted me and asked if the Vikings are the Packers kryptonite. And I kind of had to chuckle at that one because I understood where he's coming from as a, an outsider. Because the last two games against the Vikings, the Vikings have won. I get it. Uh, no, the Vikings are not the Packers kryptonite. They are just a tough division rival. And I said all week, if you, if any of you listen to uh, No Huddle Radio... I said that the Vikings were catching the Packers at a very opportune time where the Packers have been kind of reeling. Um, they, I think this is the uh, most players they've been missing all year. And they're very tired and worn out. I mean, they're limping into the bye week. And the Vikings have been on an upward trajectory. They're a good team. They also have lost a lot of really close games this year. <clears throat> you look at all the games where the Packers managed to pull out a win at the last second. Uh, think of the, the Bengals overtime game as an example. The Cardinals game that was ended on an end zone interception. If you take a lot of those games and you just reverse the luck and the uh, the make your own luck, factor that the Packers have had all year, the Vikings are playing a very similar brand of football. And I also said that the Vikings defensively were a really good matchup for the Packers. And I was kind of surprised to see that the Vikings defense really was not able to do much to the Packers today. Nothing they they couldn't overcome. I mean, they scored 31 points by the end of the game for crying out loud. I also thought that the Packers managing to get the passing game going was a really good sign and something that might carry some momentum going forward, especially, especially those connections to MVS. Those have historically kind of built on themselves a bit, you know, and and MVS will have days where he just explodes and days where he'll just really fall off. But late last year, MVS was really building on a lot of that success and stringing together multiple good performances in a row where he and Rodgers were on the same page. I like that for next week. The Rams, uh, you may have heard that the Rams have a good defense. They do not have a really good defense. Uh, Particularly, I'm not impressed with their secondary. We have all week to talk about the Rams, but just keep that in the back of your mind that you can throw on the Rams. Running on them is a little bit harder, but you can throw on them. What I was really surprised by was the Packers' defense kind of falling apart. And, you know, to an extent, (laughs) you kind of got to give them one. Like, how many weeks in a row have the defense single-handedly basically won the game or put the Packers in, like, the most favorable spot ever to win the game? I'm talking about the Kansas City game where they held – the chiefs to 13 points. Anytime you hold the, (laughs) you hold an opponent, especially an opponent like the chiefs to 13 points, you should be winning that game. They've been carrying the load for a couple months at this point and having one bad day. (laughs) I don't think we need to crucify them just yet. Um, but the issues with the passing defense are real. I, I really missed Jair today. Um, I don't know if he's coming back this season. I really don't. He hasn't been practicing at all. Um, but I do miss him. Uh, I, I, I felt like Stokes had a bit of a bad day. Uh, Kevin King had a bit of a bad day. Chandon Sullivan still was playing, playing pretty decent football. Um, I was pleased with what I saw from him. I think a lot of the day he was on uh, KJ Osborne. K.J. Osborne typically goes off if you're managing to shut down Justin Jefferson and um, Adam Thielen. And the Packers didn't manage to shut either one of those guys down very much. Certainly not Jefferson. Man, what a stud he is. Uh, Justin Jefferson, incredible player. Uh, breaks my heart that we're going to be facing him for so many years in Minnesota. Uh, and you know the Vikings. I mean, they, they do not... Let their guys leave uh, unless they go to prison or demand a trade to Buffalo. Outside of that, they don't let their guys leave. We're going to be facing him for a long time. There's one final thing that I do have to touch on before we wrap it up and get out of here, and that is the penalties. Um, Matt LaFleur called them embarrassing and unexcusable, specifically when referring to the 12-mountain field. Penalty late in the game. Absolutely back-breaking penalty uh, coming out of a timeout or a stop clock situation. Uh, Either way, just horrific. Um, The Packers shot themselves in the foot so many times today. Um, Offensive line was uh, absolutely just killing it with penalties. And the defense extended drives for the Vikings over and over again because of just stupid mistakes and penalties and I wonder how much of that is um, being tired and worn out you know you've been playing for for uh, 11 weeks in a row here I get it you're tired you need to be more on a game you need to be more sharp. Uh, you got the the Rams coming up. It's a tough opponent. You can't be looking ahead to the bye. You got to play hard against the Rams and stop them. You need this tiebreaker over the Rams when it comes to playoff seating. This is a massive, massive game. And the Rams are coming off a bye. (laughs) They're going to be mentally sharp. On the plus side, some teams that lost this week, the bears lost, um, the Lions lost, not sure how much of a headline that one is, but I did think it was funny that we, we heard for forever how secretly elite Tim Boyle was, the Tim Boyle laser show, and that if the Lions would just start Tim Boyle, they'd start winning games, and I think this is one of the lowest scoring games they've had all year. Uh, who else lost? The Titans lost today. They lost in horrific fashion to the Texans, 22-13. to 13. You can't be embarrassed about losing to the Vikings Um, when the Titans, who I think have been the the best team in football the last couple weeks, uh, just got whooped by the Houston Texans who don't have a quarterback and don't have, I mean, any players that most of you have ever heard of. Who else lost today? The Saints lost to the Eagles. That's good for us because the Saints deserve pain and suffering and embarrassment to a bad team. The Cowboys lost. Remember, remember how that was a thing for like 10 days that you had to hear that the Cowboys are the new best team in the NFL and they lost by 10 points to the Chiefs who have been crap all year. Seahawks, unfortunately couldn't get a win over the Cardinals, but on the flip side, uh, the Seahawks lost and Pete Carroll flipped his lid in the press conference afterwards a week after he said that uh, the refs played a huge role in his team somehow only putting up zero points against the Packers. not sure how that works. So Pete Carroll is miserable and the Seahawks are miserable and I can live with that even though they gifted a win to the Cardinals. It's so nice that we have a tiebreaker with the Cardinals would be nice to have a similar tiebreaker with the Rams. Um, Cowboys versus Packers just seems like it's going to be destiny in the playoffs. And uh, when it happens, we really need to win, not just because it's the Cowboys, not just because it's um, Mike McCarthy after we fired him, but just for the good of the entire NFL. The Cowboys can't have a playoff win this year, especially not over America's actual real team the Green Bay Packers. And with that, I'm going to wrap it up and get out of here and get to bed. Thank you so much for listening uh, to uh, some of my uh, unplanned ramblings. These are my my thoughts on the game without going through a, a full watch through. I'm excited to go back and, and actually analyze some of what the offense did tonight. Um, watching defense can be a little more painful, obviously, but um, I'm encouraged that the, offense seems to have figured out some of its issues. I don't know if they can survive um, having their new Billy and the poor boys offensive line. We'll see. But uh, Rogers looked a lot better. Uh, Dylan was still looking really good. Um, By the way, hang on. Since I'm talking about running backs, shout out to Jonathan Taylor. I don't know if you guys are aware of what he did today, but it was um, absolutely absurd. He put up over 50, uh, fantasy points today. He had 32 rushing attempts for 185 yards. That's a five-point yards... What is yards per R-A? Oh, rushing attempt. Duh. Uh, 5.8 yards per rushing attempt. I don't usually see it written out like that. Uh, And four touchdowns against the Bills. Um, Bills are, are such a weird team. I said yesterday or two days ago that the Bills on paper have the best offense and best defense at times. And then they just completely fall apart other days against just some of the most random opponents. Uh, They are a team that can absolutely murder you on both sides of the ball. And if you look at their, their scoring offensively and defensively, it is out of this world. And then they just fall apart at the weirdest times. They, they are six and four. I think they maybe have lost their grip on the uh, AFC East I think the Patriots are well on their way to running away with that division unless things change. But the bills are a team that more than anybody else, I think they need that first round by because uh, they, they might be able to keep it hot for a game or two in the playoffs, but any additional little game that you throw in there, where it's an opportunity for them to just have an off day, do they're like the, the 2020 Packers where they're just freakish at times, except on both sides of the ball. And then other days they just don't show up at all. But hat tip to Jonathan Taylor um, with Derek Henry being done for the year. Jonathan Taylor seems to have decided he wants to be the front runner for MVP. And I say I am really ready for a non quarterback to win it because uh, the quarterbacks all kind of stink this year. Let's have a different position, win the MVP. Let's have a running back or a wide receiver or, I mean, I don't know if anybody could really handle this, but maybe a defensive player could win MVP. I don't know. It's crazy talk. Don't listen to me. Anyways, you guys have a great night uh, or a great day, I should say. Uh, It's nighttime for me. I'm heading to bed. Talk to you all soon. Uh, Don't know if I'm going to be doing the podcast tomorrow again as well or not. Uh, But if I am, then I'll talk to you then. Otherwise, you'll hear from Ryan. Have a great day, everybody. Go Pack Go.